good to see you all and uh, good to be together. How's your week been? Who's had a great week? We won't ask any more questions. Okay, fantastic. Week goes very quickly, doesn't it? The, the days so quickly. But it's good to be together and it's good to come and to share and to be giving up some of our time to understand the Bible in a, in a deeper way and to uh, encourage ourselves as we walk with the Lord. So tonight I want to do some stuff that we missed last week and then I've got a, a, a kind of an extended exercise for you to do which we'll wrap up at the, at the end. The aim of it will be to, um, to help us in our study of the scriptures. So first up... Um, You've all got the notes, everybody got notes. You should have on your tables notes and you should also have copies of this My Bible Reading Log, which I'll come to in a second, and I'll uh, to talk about uh, what that's there for. So how did you get on with your meditation exercises? Anybody have a chance to do another one during the week? How's it going? Worthwhile? How are you finding uh, the notes that Peter Nichols put on that? Just guiding you? Helpful? Good. Pleased to hear that. Um, Peter's notes are excellent notes, as, as indeed are the other authors, Jeff Bingham and others that I've talked to you about. But Peter's notes are very, very helpful, very thorough. And uh, I'll talk more a little bit about that in a moment. How are you getting on with reading your Bibles? Anybody feel some real encouragement after last week to say, yeah, I've... I'm going to do something about this. Good, because that's what we want to do. Um, Hammered over and over again that it's about you and your pace in doing this. You don't have to compare yourself with anybody or any other method whatsoever. That's um, a good leading, a good segue, they say, don't they? My Bible reading log, can you just take that for a second? Let me talk about that. Um, I found this so helpful, as I said, I think it was John Field who first introduced me to it many, many moons ago. Um, and we are thankful to the Emmaus group who have said we can photocopy these off for ourselves, so that's great. I found this helpful because it's not actually tied to a particular day where you have to read a particular chapter or verse or part of the scripture. It's, it's actually about reading... Uh, whatever you choose to read, and just a simple marking it off. Now, you can do that electronically. You can do it in heaps of ways you could do that, of course, but I just find this helpful. Um, And you could actually start using that tomorrow if you wanted to, or you can use it at the beginning of the year, or you can take a couple of copies, do whatever you want to. But let's say you decided you're going to go a little bit deeper in your Bible study and starting tomorrow or Saturday or whenever it might be, I'm going to study the Gospel of John, right? Good Gospel? Not a bad time of the year to study it, actually. Um, All you need to do is you might read a chapter, you might read two, you might read ten, you might say, I'm going to read the whole thing in one sitting. Anybody ever done that? Good stretch. Fantastic. Need a bit of time to do that, but you might do it. But afterwards, you just tick it off. But you might be like me or you might be like, other, uh, you know, who knows? You might be, you actually, you might be yourself. Is that the way it goes? <laughs> you, might, you might get started and you know what? There are kids to take to school and, or there are 
exams to pass or there are things to do and, you've, and you say, how many chapters of John did I actually read last time? Well, if you've marked it down, you know how many you've read. You just pick it up again. So that's why I found this really helpful. I found it the best guilt-busting reading plan that I've ever come across. Now, there are others, and I encourage you to use whatever works for you. But it's a place to start. It sort of gets you thinking about actually doing this. Now, I'm going to ask my wife, Heather, to come and share just for a moment or two. She'd like to share some... Uh, some stuff that she does. Stuff's not a real good word, but I find I use it too often. Um, she's going to share some ways in which she and a group of her friends uh, use electronic media to uh, go through reading the scriptures. So give Heather a welcome, and she's going to share with you. Yeah, I am Heather, not John's wife. <laughs> I told her to say that. Not I didn't. I use on my phone and on my tablet and on my laptop a guide called mybible.com. It's called the version. So if you want to look it up on the internet, it's my.bible.com. And that will give you my version, which you can then download onto your phone, your tablet, your laptop. It's great because I can read it anywhere, and if I forget to take my uh, reading log with me, it's in here. Sorry, that's my phone. Um, I can pick a different version for every year, a different title reading for every year, and a different um, translation each year. I use this for years until got savvy with all the wonderful stuff. Um, and the thing that I've found with this is it's easy to carry around on the phone. And you can get it, I think you can get it in iPhones and stuff as well, mine's an Android. I can bookmark and highlight whatever I want. Um, I have friends who share it with me, so I can invite people into my space and do it. In my yearly Bible reading, I've got a friend in Wollongong who does it with me. Every now and again, we compare notes with each other. Sometimes we'll ring each other. But the beautiful thing is we can write notes and encourage each other that way. I can also pick other programs. Um, last month, I did uh, Psalms in 30 days, and that was a bit of a hike. This month I'm doing Proverbs in 31 days, mainly because I feel as if I need while I'm going through those exciting things like Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all the rest of it, that I needed something that was a bit more inspirational. I'm now up to judges, so that's good. But with a friend or two or three, I think there's about five or six on my group, um, we can choose what we want, we can invite others in to what we're doing and they can either accept or not. I like reading myself. Um, my friend sent me one the other day, but it's a video. The uh, person doing the study is actually on a video, and I hate them. I have to be able to read it. That's me. It's, it's much easier to do than um, carting around your Bible because it's on here. Um, 
I said to my friend one time, how come you get through so much? And she said, it's easy. I take my son to basketball practice and there's nothing else to do. <laughs> I'm past that. I can't use that excuse. But that, that's what I'd encourage for anybody on your phone, on your lap, even on your PC if you've got one. Um, and I can, I can swap around because if I've got the internet, it just records that I've done various things and I just pick up where I am depending on which um, device I'm using. So that's basically it. that enough? Yep, that's great. Thank you. So who said the devil had all the good music? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know who said it. Well, I think I know who said it. But that shows how old I am. But what I'm saying is the, 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 the advantages of electronic media and all that's available to us is huge. And uh, it can be used for good or the opposite. Or it can be in between. But we can use it for good in encouraging one another. Have you ever thought of doing devotions together? From, at various times uh, in ministry, I would say to people, I'll be at such and such a cafe at such and such a time in the morning, bring your Bibles, be prepared to sit down. We're not going to study the Bible together. We're going to do our personal devotions. And then at the end of it, we'll share just for a few moments together and have our cup of coffee and be on our way. Works a treat. And I encourage you to think about doing that sort of thing. There's, it, uh, what Heather was talking about is electronic media and establishing a community that actually reads the scriptures together in that way. So she talks with a friend in Wollongong and in other places. We can do it face to face. We can do do it however. There's no limit to what we can do if uh, we work at it. So I encourage you to do that. Okay, now we're going to move on to memorising the scripture. You won't find this in any of the nickel notes or uh, other notes. This is... uh, a bit different, and I want, to, I want to raise a question with you about committing parts or portions of the scripture to your memory. So if we did a, a poll around the place, who reckons they got a good memory? Who reckons they got a bad one? I might have to think about suggesting some series on self-talk or something. <laughs> We've all got memories anyway, and we can all use them. I hated exams. I loathed them. Anybody like me loathed exams where you had to go and do a three-hour sit-down and write down all that you remembered in a year? It was terrible torture. However, we're not talking about being tortured when we memorise the scripture. We're talking about something that we're putting away in our hearts. So uh, have you ever had a go at it? You don't have to answer, I don't need to see hands. I'm just asking, have you ever had a go at memorising, committing to your memory portions of the Word of God? It's a great thing to actually do. I have to confess, by the way, that doing this series for the church has stirred up within me a couple of things. One is to get back and do more meditation, and more of this actual scripture memory work that I've done from time to time. I'm a bit sporadic and that's probably just me. Um, we all operate in different ways, but it's good to stir it up. You know what I'm saying? And uh, maybe for some of us, we're turning back to things that were, were part of our walk with the Lord, or maybe for some of us, we've never tried it because 
of the pressures of time or jobs or family and what have you. Um, But the process of committing to memory portions of God's word is important. Can you give me a reason for that? Who would like to suggest a reason? No right or wrong answers, doesn't matter, so have a go. Absolutely. So there's a, can I put another word around that? Because I, I'll say what you said. Sometimes when you're sharing with somebody, you need a word and it's right there. God gives it to you. I think I've got that basically right. That's a missional principle, isn't it? See, sometimes you may not have a Bible in your hand or you're sitting down and you're talking with somebody or whatever and the word comes out and you're able to, to, to quote John 3.16. Can you all do that one? What's it say then? I think I got that one. <laughs> it helps in everyday living. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So if it's hidden away in your heart, in your head, in your heart, which are actually connected, despite all us preachers saying they're not, um, it's just a journey, biggest journey in the world, the 30 centimetres from here to here at times, but not always. You've got to learn things. See, we're told to love God with all our heart and with all our strength and with all of our minds. So you don't throw, screw your head off and throw it in the corner because you're following Jesus now. Actually, for the first time in your life, you find out what your brain's really supposed to be about for worshipping God. Hmm? So it's a good thing to get his word into your life. So as Michael has said, there are times when that springs up. Actually, in the world in which we live, that's a fantastic thing, isn't it? Because it's not a really happy world at the moment, is it? And we need to be feeding on what God's actually saying about the, his world and his people and how he loves the world. Every single person are all made in the image of God and God loves them all. And we need to hear from him about what he's saying about those things. So to hide, hide it away in our hearts is good. Any other ideas? They're good. First... Over here first. Yes. Excellent. So it can be used. Um, sorry, your name? Carmen. Carmen was reminding us that it can be used when we face spiritual attack. So who do you can do you think of anybody that did that? Jesus. Oh. When he was in the wilderness. And what did, he, what did he do? Three times he said, didn't he? It is written. Three times. So that's a really powerful thing, isn't it? And uh, I guess you've discovered by now, if you decided to follow Jesus, somebody else has fallen around after you at times, yeah? In fact, that's the first time spiritual warfare got real for me when I realised, when I was fully on for God... That's when the battle actually started. I wasn't aware of it before then. I had had some people to pray for me to release me from that battle beforehand. But then I became personally aware that I was engaged in it. So to learn the word of God to be able to fight back against the enemy is incredible. And by the way, if Jesus had to take a Bible with him to quote from the scriptures when he was doing that, he would have had to wheel a wheelbarrow out into the desert. Yep. 
because he didn't have it in the nice convenient form that we do. He would have had to take a scroll with him. It was in his heart. Okay, that's great. Any others? There was another one here somewhere. Same, same idea. Yep. Yes, sorry, your name? Karen. Karen? Yes. So Karen was saying can help in decision making. So scriptures come to mind or in your heart. And that's, that's really important too. By the way, decision making and we're talking about guidance and God's word in all of that is personally I think the more God's involved in the little stuff of life, you find the big stuff of life's not quite so daunting as you think it might be. Occasionally we have big decisions to make, but they, they seem to fall out once you are constantly putting yourself in the way of God's word. True? I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes it's a real battle. But if it's there in our hearts, that's the kind of thing we want. All right. So um, there, there is another one which I love. In Psalm 119 verse 11, the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might what? Sin against you. So the more we know God's word, the more we are getting the principles of what God wants us to hear and to live by so that we, when temptation does come, we don't fall over or we don't fall foul. Incidentally, what, what great book of the Bible would you read that uh, can be such an encouragement for you to live your lives daily and not make a lot of mistakes? But we all make them. We all sin. Proverbs and James. Proverbs is, you know, one of the things about Proverbs is the writer's writing to the young man. He's saying you don't have to get down in the dumps. You don't have to learn from what I've written. So if you hide it away in your heart, there's less chance of falling foul of things. True? It's a great book. We did a series at Citywide on Proverbs back a few years ago when I was there. It was the most loved series. They just people would have just keep on preaching it. Oh, it's so rich, so rich, so much stuff in there. Okay, so we want to do a little bit of memory work. Everybody up for it now? Cool. Well, let's see how well we are. So, how would you go about uh, memorising something? Any suggestions? Right. Here. Hang on, let's, let's go back here. This is a great suggestion. Sorry, your name? Sarah. Sarah, I should have known that. Sarah suggests we write it on a wall. That would be a good <laughs> idea. I love it. Fantastic. You only need to worry if there's a hand comes out and writes on the wall. <laughs> I love it. So what would that be doing for us? To take it seriously, because actually I don't mind that suggestion. You don't have to write on the freshly painted wall. But it's the writing it out reinforces it in our memory. So some of you found even last week when you wrote down your meditation piece, actually I think somebody said to me, found that really helpful just writing out the verse. There's something about doing something that helps locate it in our thinking. What other ways would we perhaps memorise something? Yep. Yep. 
and my Heather will tell you, singing. Yeah, tuned to it. We could do the, the navigator thing with the little car. Yep. Exactly. I used to do that a lot. I was, the only time I suggest you don't use it is when you're driving. Yes, I have. I read a verse on the back of somebody's toilet door once said, A voice saith to me out of the gloom, Cheer up, behold, things could get much worse. So I did cheer up and behold, things did get much worse. But that's not the kind of verse we're supposed to be memorising, is it, Charlton? We're supposed to be... I once did the topical memory system. Yep. I think that was quite helpful in that I had an accountability partner... Yes. Yep. And then get back together at the end of that week and basically um, try to quote it without flaw. Exactly. And it was really, really helpful. So the topical thing was like a navigator's type yeah. approach, which um, Neville was talking about. Yeah. Little cards, they probably still put them out. Or nowadays, I guess they are electronically available. Who knows? I've not, I've not looked at that for you, but I'm sure it's out there. Or you, you can divide your own system. It's not, it's not real hard. I, I have to tell you an experience that was quite interesting for me when I was in theological college. One of our lecturers, when he was doing the Gospel of John, got all the students to stand up and memorise scripture. It was like, man alive, that blew us away because we thought we were theology students, not Bible college students. But it taught me a great lesson because he wasn't just interested in getting the all the background stuff and all the rest of John into our heads. He actually wanted us to get that word into our lives. And some of that that we learned and had to learn still sticks with me. So there's, there's value in learning the word, okay? Was that also in Sunday school was taught a different verse for every letter of the alphabet? Yeah, wow. And he at 70 can now still quote most of them. So did everybody hear that? Your dad was taught a verse for every letter of the alphabet, and school can do it. Yeah. Fantastic. When we did 40 days, yep. we had the little key rings. Yep. Key rings, so you could remember that. Like we did. Exactly. So in, in the, some of the, or one of the churches I pastored, when we did series, we would, we would, have, a, we would have a memory verse every week, um, we'd hand that out at the door, it was on a key ring, and they could add it to their key ring. And so we, we picked it up from Rick Warren's kind of uh, 40 days of purpose, that sort of thing. But it was just, you know, just imagine three, four, five, ten thousand, forty thousand people all saying their memory verse together. It's awesome. So we're going to start. <laughs> I, I've been known to do that and worse, but. <laughs> So there's, a great, there's great value. What, what's, a, what's a word you'd use to talk about this? I would use the word personally. The church and we as individual followers of Jesus need to be really, really big on encouragement. Yep? How did Paul get to have the ministry that he had apart from God's call on his life? Do you know? There's a guy called Barnabas whose name means son of encouragement. 
And he took Paul by the hand and presented him to the Jewish elders who were very distrustful of Paul because Paul, or Saul as he was then, had previously persecuted the church. You know the story most likely. And he said, no, this guy is the real deal. It is so crucial. Encouragement is so often lacking. And we in Australian culture tend to be a little bit, you know, chopped down tall poppies and all that kind of stuff. We're a bit known for it. And it's a good thing for the church to be in a different place. So we need to encourage one another in these things, okay? So let's, uh, let's in fact, I, I remember um, once, remember Anne Herbert, Heather, who uh, I've, I actually missed this because I knew she was going to do it and they popped her into a service when I was away, but she had the... She, she presented the whole of the Sermon on the Mount with just out of her heart. And it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. See, the scriptures are meant to be read and heard like that. In one church, we, uh, we, did a, we from time to time, would do uh, readings of a, a complete book. I can remember one fellow reading the book of Philippians to us. It's just so powerful because we actually hear the word. You know, Paul said to young Timothy, uh, while I'm gone, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture. There's reasons for that. It's not just the fact they didn't have it kind of like, like everybody here has got. It's, it's that there's something about hearing it as well. It's God's word to us. All right? Okay. Old Spurgeon said, the Bible in the memory is better than the Bible in the case. I like that. Okay, now in your notes, there are three passages of scripture that I've put down there for you. And given that um, we're talking about the Bible and reading the word of God and deepening our lives in that, uh, we're going to have a crack at learning one of the verses tonight. Who's ready? You are? Okay. Would you like to stand to your feet then? And what I'd like you to do is uh, after we've all said it together out loud, I to you and you to me, okay? Um, what I'd like you to do is pair up with somebody and say the verse to them and then say it back to you. Now, one of the keys in learning scripture verses is to not only learn the verse but to learn where it comes from, okay? Because otherwise you say, somewhere it says. Well, that's all right. Some of the Bible writers said that as well, so you're in, on good territory. So you know, you can be easy on yourself, all right? But it does help to say where it comes from and the version perhaps that you learn it from. Tonight I've just put the New International Version there, but you can use whatever version you want to learn the scriptures from. So, okay. We're going to do uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You don't have to stop and say verse 17. You go straight through, all right? That's just there so you know it's in the text. Incidentally... Um, you know that the Bible doesn't have any chapter divisions, doesn't have any verses in its original form. And there's lots of derogatory comments about whoever it was <laughs> that put the chapter to divisions because sometimes when you're trying to understand what you're reading, they actually get in the road. And sometimes those little bits above the chapters, you know, the little headings, are not the inspired word of God. It's really important to get that into our thinking because sometimes they get treated like they're, they're inspired. Somebody just put them there to try and help us understand, which is fine. But um, the word itself is just, it's just in, in a form that comes through without those sort of things. 
It's easy for us because we can say, look, we can go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and we know where to go, which is great. But just when you're trying to study it or come to terms with it, it's not quite like that. All right, so let me read this to you. When I'm finished, don't wait, just start, all right? Okay? Yep? Cool. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, New International Version. All Very good. I've got a I've got a two year old grandson. He'd be fist pumping me by now. Come on, fist pump somebody about it's good effort. Okay, find somebody and share it backwards and forwards. Where you go? Okay, very cool. Good. Right on. Grab a seat. Thank you for that. So, see how you go during the week and uh, take Charlton's encouragement to us. Find an accountability partner, somebody that might say, to you, how are you going in, uh, in memorising the scripture part? That would be a really good thing to do. And uh, see so how you go. We've got three weeks to go. And uh, hopefully by the end of this, the last session, we'll have learnt all those verses and be able to say them without having to be reminded at all. Okay, you good with that? There will be prizes. Okay. In the next few minutes, what I want to do is set up uh, an exercise in studying the scriptures because that's part of what we want to do in this course is to deepen our understanding of the scripture and to get into that for ourselves. So um, I've put down the references there in the Bingham uh, book and also Peter Nichols' notes. Uh, take notice of his work on pages 13 and 15 a little later on if you need to uh, go to a reference place. Um, I want to ask some, some questions. What would your motivation be 
for you to study the Bible in a little bit more depth than just reading it for your devotions, which is perfectly fine because I think it's Bingham actually says all study, all reading of the Bible should be devotional in a way. So in a way all our study leads to a deeper devotion to Jesus, yes? and makes us want to follow him harder than we've ever followed. So it's all of that. But, but you're moving from just, you know, a, a sort of a daily feed to a place where you, you want to find out more, right? So what, what sort of things would drive you to do that? Yes? Absolutely, to be thoroughly equipped. So you, you want to get to know more of what God says rather than what people are saying hmm? or the constant feed from the world of what it's saying. You want to hear God. I made a decision a few years ago. I don't stick to it as strongly as I should, but I'm reasonable with it. I, the first thing I want to do in the morning, for me, I work better in the morning than at night. By 10 o'clock, my head's mush. Mush most of the time, but it's double mush by then. But I, I, I've made a decision. I don't want to pick up any news stuff until I've actually heard God's news for the day. Isn't it interesting we say there's no good news? Well, it mightn't be, but there is. Every time you pick that up and read it, it's good news. The word gospel actually means good news. So when we talk about the gospel, we're actually talking about good news. And if we feed our hearts and our lives and our minds with good news, it, it will help us deal with a world that's not hearing good news so that we've actually got good news to, to share. Anyway, I'm not on about evangelism, I'm on about the Bible tonight. So, that's a great one, isn't it? To be equipped. What other motivations might you have? Yep. Isn't that good? You want to be prepared for somebody to, who asks a question. That, you know... Yeah. When I'm studying, when I'm reading, I'm looking for treasure new and old. Okay. So there's always treasure new and old in the scriptures, so you, it deepens your life. I, I, I like that. And I like the being prepared one because, you know, again, people do have questions. Actually, despite the fact that folks don't look like they've got a spiritual bone in their body, there is a spiritual angst in our nation. And people are longing for, to hear something that actually is in the right place. And we've got that. And even if you have... Uh, don't take this the wrong way. I've got, I'm constantly reminding myself I'm on a podcast. <laughs> but, but, you know, depending on the, the range of however we grip with that... Even, we don't have to know everything to be able to start engaging people in missional conversation. So if we actually study a bit, that can help enormously. Sorry, Sarah. Um, I really like reading it. Um, there's a Proverbs that says, um, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge yep. of the Holy One will lead to good decisions. Yes. I really like using that as my motivation to get to know God so that I can miss him in my everyday life. That's great. So everybody hear that? So the, the, the fear of the Lord, I, I learned in is the beginning of wisdom. You said the foundation. foundation, I like that. So it's a foundation of wisdom. If we get that God's wisdom into our lives, you know, wisdom doesn't always belong with people because 
we have got white hair or we've lost most of it or whatever the case may be. Wisdom, actually God can give it to us. Yep, it's great. Any others? Yep. And as the psalmist says here in Psalm 33, verse 1, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants. It gets back to a discipline thing, though. Yep. Um, Charles. Yep. Discipline, perseverance, and um, just hanging in there and just do it. Not the knock it, just do it. You know, it's, it's something that we need to do. Right? Well, otherwise, it's just yeah, we do, and I, I think there's, both, there's a tension in, in what you, you're both saying, which is really actually quite helpful, because part of us is, for me, sometimes I can be as dry as, and I just keep doing it. Other times, I'm ready to go and take the mountain like Caleb. I'm getting closer to his age now, so I understand that scripture a bit better than I used to, but I'm ready to take the mountain. But there are times I have to, I, you know... It's a pretty regular prayer in my life to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Right? I had an encounter with God years ago that turned my life completely around. But that doesn't mean to say that I don't need to say, Lord, fill me up. Right? Whatever terminology you want to use, you know. When people are arguing about baptism and the Holy Spirit, what it means, etc., just don't say baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's not correct. It's baptism in, with or by, that's all. And we're to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, see, I'm getting off the Bible here. I'm getting into theology. I feel a sermon coming on. It's bad. But, um, you know, people say, well, you know, how did Jesus live? Well, Jesus lived in the power of the Spirit. Every day, every second of his life. In fact, the Hebrews said the eternal Spirit offered him up on the cross in that sense. That's not the exact quote. Don't, there, you know, he just talks about the involvement of, of God in the action of Jesus' life, yes? Don't think I'm t- talking heresy there. And, you know, that's how you have true man, true woman, being filled with the Spirit. So there is, sometimes it's just, you know, learning, you, you guys are going to find learning your Bible, like to memorise sections or even chapters or books of the Bible, which some people have done, or even the whole Bible, there's a lot of discipline involved. But there's also a lot of help available because you're in touch with the creator of the universe. Yep. Who spoke the whole thing by the word. Sorry? Absolutely. We do. But we also need to be tuned in to letting him loose. It's because it's not so much a question of whether we have the Spirit, it's a question of whether the Spirit of God has us. And therefore, a lot of this stuff we're talking about has that tension. And, you know, every person, doesn't matter who you are, will go through some really dry times in your life. But there's some also fantastic times. Hmm? And we need to encourage one another because some may be going through dry and some may be wading through a waterfall. But we need to take one another by the hand and, and encourage one another in, in that. Okay, so reading your study, the, the Bible, is, to, is one thing is to find out for yourself what the Bible is actually saying. Now, if we lived in previous eras, other people would have told us what the Bible is saying. We can find out for ourselves. and We have that privilege. Uh, 
let the scriptures teach us. Um, there might be some other things involved in this, by the way, just quite practical things. Uh, you might have to lead a Bible study or do some preaching or teaching. So you want to study the passage of scripture, yeah? That'd probably be a good idea, wouldn't it? Because don't, don't take too much notice of people who seem to get up and speak off the top, you know, off the cuff. You know where that expression comes from. You know, some people that can do that might have been preaching for 40, 50 years, it seems like they did or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So they've got a reservoir in there. But, but don't be baffled by that sort of stuff. Everybody's different. But, you know, I've had the occasions, occasional times in ministry where I've actually prepared something and God said, this is what I actually want you to preach this morning. That's really scary, by the way. Usually goes okay. But it's real good next week to get back to your preparation. It's hard. Yakka. All right. What I'd like you to do is uh, go get your cup of tea um, and be back here by, according to the clock on the wall there, by about half past. Be seated ready at half past because we've got a bit to get through and if I'm still trying to round the, the gathering up at that point, it'll make it harder. So go get your cup of tea, your glass of water, say good day to people, do whatever you wish. That'd be fantastic. And if we can be back by the clock on the wall just before half past, that would be Fantastic. That's a great sound. Okay. <laughs> okay, by all means, grab a cup of tea as we're talking. That'll be great or a glass of water, or whatever uh, you'd like to do. That'd be fine. And if you've got any time between now and when we close off in half an hour's time, want to get a cup of tea for yourself, or coffee, or uh, whatever, please don't hesitate to just go from where you are and do that. Okay, I want to set up the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes with us, um, and give you something hopefully that will pique your interest a little in going deeper in Bible study and as a consequence of that um, in your uh, following Jesus as one of his disciples. Um, I referred you to Peter Nichols' notes and you might want to look at them in greater detail after this session or sometime in the next week. Um, they are excellent and uh, will provide much help for you, I'm sure. So just to set this up, we're going to look at a passage in Philippians in a moment or two, and you've, you've, you have it there. Um, but don't quite worry about that at the moment. Let's just talk for a couple of moments about what happens when you decide to study a piece of scripture in detail. It might be a gospel, it might be... Um, a couple of chapters, it might be a verse, it might be a whole bunch of things. I reckon that some of the things that will come your way are, are quite pragmatic. First one might be, how much time have you got to do this? Tonight it's going to be a bit artificial by nature of the case, right? But say you want to really study John's Gospel in detail, uh, or say uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. You're going to, how much time have you got to do that? 
You have to think about that. Another practical consideration is a place to do it. Somewhere where you're able to study, whatever way you want to do that. Um, won't happen unless you do. I found uh, in ministry that uh, I tried to take a regular day to get away from pastoral ministry and spend time in retreat with the Lord. But I, don't, I know if I didn't put it in my diary, it didn't happen. Right? And I know if unless I got out of the house at a certain time in the morning and got right away, it didn't happen. So it's the kind of same thing. Before I went, when I used to work for a living, before I became a minister, <laughs> um, well, some people said their minister was like God. Invisible for six days of the week and incomprehensible on the seventh, but that's another story. Somebody got it. I just had to take time out of my so-called working schedule and go away. Heather and I used to do that from time to time. Somebody look after our little kids and things like that. So there's a decision-making. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Because it's not just a way to work. Even when you're retired, it doesn't work all that easily, uh, I've found. Um, and then how will you decide what portion of the word that you'll study? Will, will it be a brief study or a detailed study? And what resources are going to be available to you? Um, I've talked about Nichols' section in his notes, but other things like Bible dictionaries, which we'll talk about next week, and different things like that. You know, so if you've got to do background to the study, where are you going to get that information from? These days, with the internet available to us, there's a tremendous amount of stuff there. You've just got to wade through what's good and what's not good. Um, so there are practical considerations. And then, there, then, then there's a couple of things I want to touch on very briefly. We probably should, we probably should spend all night on this, um, but we won't. Uh, I want to just open it up to you. There are a couple of key considerations. When, when you're studying the text, you want to actually find out what God is saying, right? Not what you want to say or not what um, Tom said or Janet I hope there's no Toms or Janets here. Um, you want to find out what the Bible is actually saying of and by itself. That's a key kind of thing. Um, so there's a couple of words that, that you often will hear, from, um, particularly ministers talk about it a bit, and it sounds like it's kind of highfalutin esoteric language or they're just using special jargon, which is a bit of a pity in a way. One of those words is a thing called exegesis. And exegesis is a word that simply means taking out of. So when, uh, when somebody's preparing a message to preach about, which is they're going to come and preach in an expository fashion, they first of all have to do their exegesis, which means they have to go to the passage and let the passage speak for itself which means you've got to put aside all your presuppositions or your ideas or all your reading, even your theology. So what is this Bible passage actually saying? Are you with me? Uh, the word comes from the Greek word meaning to guide out of sprawl. R.C. Sproul said that in Knowing Scripture. And I have this little, great little passage here in uh, this great book, Eat This Book, called, uh, by Eugene Peterson. Um, he says, to many Bible readers, quoting him, assume that exegesis is what you do after you have learned Greek and Hebrew. That's simply not true. 
exegesis is nothing more than a careful and loving reading of the text in our mother tongue. Love that. That's really quite powerful. Uh, it talks about exegesis being uh, an act of love. Quote him again. Exegesis is loving God enough to stop and listen carefully to what he says. It follows that we bring the leisure and attention, attentiveness of lovers to this text, cherishing every comma and semicolon, relishing the oddness of this preposition, delighting in the surprising placement of this noun. And so he goes on in similar vein. Another quote, but exegesis does not mean mastering the text, it means submitting to it as it is given to us. So that's the thing. When we come to, the, to study God's word, we're not sitting above that word. We're sitting below that word. Does that make sense? You with me? So we're, we're not trying to tell the text what it should be telling us or telling people. We want the text to actually speak to our hearts. One of the questions you, that I used to get asked in preaching class was, did the text speak to you? Did the text instruct you? Did, did, it, did it actually teach you before we went on to other things? So when, you, when you're talking about it, that's a, that's a, um, the opposite is a thing called eisegesis. And to quote um, uh, Sproul again, he said, eisegesis involves reading into the text something that isn't there at all. Now, that's easy done. So easy. Guilty as charged. Right? Because I've got a whole lot of clobber that I bring to the text. I've got a whole lot of presuppositions. Spurgeon said, the fact is we sometimes read scripture thinking of what it ought to say rather than what it says. So, I wanted to raise that with you because all of us actually are theologians. All of us have, as Christians, and even non-Christians are theologians because they have uh, a sense of who God is and they've got an idea of God. Although either they don't believe in him or they do, yeah? Are you with me? Or is, you got what I'm saying? So we actually um, are theologians. Theology is just the study of the science of God. And interestingly, there's a guy called uh, Berkhoff who says that, it, and I'll bring the quote to you next week, he says that every, um, every other science sits above its subject but theology is the only subject that sits below its subject. So when we actually come to... That's rough paraphrase. When we come to study who God is or study his word, which is God speaking to us, we, we actually sit as quite humble servants in a way. And yet not as cowering, frightened servants. You with me? So this is not... See, God is a loving God. God is a what? Absolutely. So he's loving us in his word, yeah? Okay. We're going to run out of time awful quick. I've set the passage up for you. Obviously, there's going to be some artificiality about what we're going to do. But for the next 10 or so minutes, I want you to take Philippians 4, 4 to 7. I'll read the passage to you. I want you to study it by yourself for about 10 minutes, most. And then, well, we might skip the one-on-one -on -one thing. Um, and then we'll go straight to sharing around the table. What, what did you learn? What did you find out? Okay? Are you with me? 
Who's up for it? Cool. Okay. So it will be artificial. It'll feel kind of weird, but just put all that aside and just have a go at reading it. Uh, are you familiar? Who's familiar with the passage? How many sermons? Who's heard sermons preached on it? Don't be anxious for anything but by everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, known to God. Yep. So you've probably heard lots of things about don't worry, don't be anxious, all that, all right? I want to encourage you to put all that aside and just read the text and see what God is saying in it. So let me read it to you and then away you go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, where you go. You've got about 10 minutes max on your own. I'll, uh, I'll tell you when it's time to come back, okay? It's very artificial, isn't it? Because I guarantee that you've just felt like, oh, I just got started in this. There's so much more to do or to be had. All right? Well, that's good. Because uh, in a way, that's what we should be feeling. That this word's got something more to say to us. It can take us deeper. So you want to keep on writing. I might just skip the bit where we share with one another for sake of time, and maybe we can, we can do it um, together as we talk about how that touched us or what did we see. Anybody um, feeling a bit anxious? So you know what to do now, don't you? <laughs> Be anxious for nothing, but by, in everything by prayer and Petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's a great verse, isn't it? But what did you hear? Anybody want to say, I reckon it was saying this. Okay, anybody willing to have a stab? Because you don't have to be worrying about right or wrong answers. It's, it's, it's all good, all right? Right. God's peace guards our hearts and minds. That's pretty real, isn't it? So it's not saying you get relief from anxiety by a whole bunch of other things that people might suggest, which all could be good, but it's actually saying for you or for the people who are reading this, God's peace will guard their hearts and minds. That's a pretty powerful thing for us, isn't it? Because, see, we can very quickly get into application, but we live in a very anxious world. And some of you are in the stage of parenting kids that can get pretty anxious because they're fed with a whole bunch of stuff and they can think, what's happening to our world? Heather and I often talk about, we grew up in an era when the atom bomb was going to blow us off the face of the earth. Nobody ever talked to us about God's peace being the ultimate guard, so that's really helpful. Anybody else? I, I really like how 
uh, to pray for the prayer and petition <coughs> with thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, so that you see that it's in God's strength, not your own. I was listening. <laughs> absolutely, trying to take it all in. Yeah, absolutely. See, it would be easy to come at that text and say, I know what all this is about. But actually, when you start letting the Bible speak to you about what it wants to say, it actually changes the paradigm of how we hear the Word of God. Otherwise, we can jump in at the level of application or already know what this says anyway. God wants to speak to us through his word. So we've got to let it speak to us. It is a really, folks, it's a really difficult thing in a way to do. I mean, I didn't choose the passage. Just the passage I thought was a good one. I didn't choose it so I wanted to teach you any great thing. We could go anywhere, but I didn't think you wanted to do one of the genealogies or the, one of the lists of the, all the sons of Korah or whatever. Um, Neville. The key for me in this passage was the thing that I jumped on was the very simple statement the Lord is near. Because if he's near, then it sort of puts everything in perspective, you know, so I was comforted by the perspective of him being near. So if you link up that with what uh, Sarah and Lauren were saying, you've got something pretty powerful starting to emerge. Because the peace doesn't come unless what? He's near. He's near. How's he near to us, by the way? Yeah. And so that's, that's what I meant to do. I started with Thanksgiving. Ah. Started with Thanksgiving because I've got his, his presence within me. Therefore, I can do all these other things and therefore I don't have to be anxious. Okay. And if you were coming to study this passage... Uh, it's one thing to study, it just drops out of heaven and somebody says, here, study this, which is totally unfair on you all, I admit, guilty as charged. But I didn't have time to read the whole of Philippians to you, right? So, can I ask you, did you ask, when you come to study the text, what was your first thought? Was it to ask some questions of the text? It is very encouraging. Very positive. Ah, and he's and and Paul's got a thing about it, hadn't he? He says, "Joy comes through the book of Philippians," and he said it twice. He rejoiced in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He does, and the interesting thing is, Michael, that he's writing to a church that uh, that needs a bit of joy because they're having a bit of a stoush. Ah. They were specific people being specific people being told to, you know, sort out a bit of an argument and get your act together. Get your act together. And so I sort of thought this is almost like saying, actually this is keeping tune with God. Yeah, and, and so sort of like almost saying this is how you should behave, this is how you are behaving. Uh, yeah, very good. And the thing too is that he's not saying, get your act together. Come on, pick up your clothes, boy. He's not saying that. He's actually saying, sort out a difference, and you, others, help them do it. How many times do we get that? You know, we probably walk the other way when it comes to trying to sort out differences in conflict in church life. It's too hard. Don't want to get involved in that stuff. But Paul's actually saying, you there, and I always say stinky, but stinkity, whatever, they're having a problem. 
well, they're all those things, but, but he's actually saying, don't leave them on their own, get there in alongside them. So there's an interesting point coming out there. If you're going to study something, you have to look around at yourself. Okay, so for sake of time, sorry, um, apologies to all, but I just better keep moving because we could go all night, yeah? We could easily do another half an hour on this and you wouldn't mind giving up a half an hour, but you wouldn't come back next week. So we, 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 we need to try and kind of round it up. So asking the questions, did you kind of working out the theme? That's what I felt we were grappling with. What's the theme of this passage? What's Paul trying to say? Oh, incidentally, he didn't actually write it to you first up. That's a really important question, isn't it? Who did he actually write this to? He wrote it to a church in a place called Philippi. He was in prison in Rome about uh, AD 62. He wrote and a letter was taken to them and they read the letter and was read in the church. So, all time's going to go quick here. But the, the issue is that all those questions are very important. Because sometimes we read the Bible and we want to hear God speak to us, but in the first instance, he wasn't actually writing to John. He was writing to a particular place, a particular circumstance, a particular situation, right? So those sort of background questions are really important. Now, you would obviously get to that. All of you would get to that very easily. You had to have more time, yeah? This is a very unfair exercise in that sense. Um, But you probably knew a little bit of your background. Um, You'd ask yourself, what sort of what, what's he writing? Is he's not writing a story, is he? Not here. It's actually there's four admonitions in there to start with: rejoice, blah 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 blah. There's four of them you can chase it through, and then there's consequences of that. And there's some people, there's some personalities involved. Do, were there any words that you didn't understand? Yeah, and what, uh, that's exactly right. Um, sorry, your name? Naomi. 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 Remi- so I've got that wrong? Naomi. Oh, Naomi, sorry. I left my hearing aids out tonight. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> Naomi, my, my... Oh, good job. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I, oh, I'll, to, I'll remember next week. Whoa! Um, yeah, so that's a, it does come down to that. And some of the older translations talk about forbearance. So there's a word. So we, we might even, when, we, when we're doing it in depth, we might have to go and say, check, out, check out rather some of these words to find out what's actually being said. All right? So again, it comes down to how much time you've got, which for me is running out very, very quickly. Um, you might want to think about, are there any concepts that trouble me in my thinking here? What can I get my head around? Even before we go to trying to apply it to uh, how I'm going to live, you know, now, Michael, you were, you were saying something earlier. Sorry, I might have cut you off. Okay, thank you. I'm just checking, just checking. All good. Um, okay, so what I'd like you to do, if you have time, I'd take it away and work with it during the week. Have a go at it. At a, you know, if you get time, if you don't, that's fine. It's, it's not the end of the world. But now that you've got a sort of clues, grab, grab Peter's notes Get yourself some resources if you need it and, and have a crack at it, you know, and just say, well, what, is this, what is this saying for me? Because you've got the, the inestimable privilege of actually being able to study the word of God for yourself in depth. How about that? Last question. Um, how would you apply this text in your own life? So say you've done all that hard work and you've actually hear, you're hearing God speak to you, 
This is actually what he's saying. You're not putting anything on it. The word of God is actually speaking to you. Then the next thing is, all right, am I just going to walk away from that or is it going to do something in my life? All right, let's stand. Time has come. We've got 60 seconds. You've been great tonight. Appreciate every one of you. Thank you for your willingness to share and your openness. Uh, really, it's really, really appreciated. It's, it's excellent. And um, God bless each one of you as you go into the week ahead. Dear Father, we thank you that we have your word in all its fullness, all its riches, and richness and its depths. And it's, we, we kind of sit here saying, how great are you? Yet you keep, you keep on speaking to us and you draw us into your heart. Would you bless us as your people and help us as we look more deeply into your word to know day by day that we can walk with our Saviour and we can hear him and we can be encouraged to walk in this world in a way that glorifies your name and where we influence other people to find the Saviour that we found. We ask your blessing on us, safe travels for home and through the week, on children, on families, on grandchildren, great-grandchildren. God, would you be pleased to pour out your spirit on us and on the whole church as the communities gather for worship on Sunday. May they be aware of the one who is near. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.